It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 104. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. We're talking football today with brand new Golden Gopher special teams coordinator Bob Ligashevsky, a veteran coach who has coached special teams at the highest level of football, including seven different NFL stops. He won a Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He also has coached at seven different colleges and universities, including most recently at Syracuse. We'll find out about his philosophy, what makes for a good special teams coordinator and good special teams play, and all about his background with so many stops. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North m serves companies with revenue up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union is also a big sponsor of our Go Gopher podcast. Life math is complicated, and Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union makes it easier with local financial experts available to help in person or virtually. You can learn more at affinityplus.org slash Go Gophers. Affinityplus.org slash Go Gophers. They have an award-winning mobile app as well. We're also sponsored by Cub. Cub's a proud sponsor of the Go Gopher podcast and of the Golden Gophers. In a hurry? Don't worry. Cub delivers. Get fresh meat, produce, everyday essentials, and more delivered to your door. Cub is the official grocer of the Golden Gophers and proud to support Gopher Athletics for over 20 years. We're podcasting episode 104 from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We invite you to subscribe to the Go Gopher podcast. It's free to do so. You can also go back and listen to Go Gopher podcasts from previous weeks. Last episode, for example, we had Gopher hockey defenseman Carl Fish on the Go Gopher podcast. You can go back and have a listen. This week, we're talking football with new Golden Gopher special teams coach Bob Ligashevsky. He's next. When we say that Cub Milk is the freshest in town, we mean it. Less than 48 hours from farm to store fresh. We guarantee seven days or more of freshness. It all starts with local dairy farmers who take great care in making sure all the cows are happy and healthy. We support local farm families 365 days a year. And that makes our milk even more delicious. So you always get the freshest milk and the biggest smiles. I'm Clay Geary, walk-on, turn scholarship, wide receiver for Gopher football. And I'm Ben Utek, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors, Minnesota's largest seller of companies. To learn more about True North and our diverse family of independently owned companies, visit truenorthequitypartners.com. It's episode number 104 of the Go Gopher podcast, and the brand-new Golden Gopher special teams coach Bob Ligashevsky is with us. We are actually in his office taping uh, taping this show here on campus. And, Coach, welcome to Minnesota. You picked a great first uh, week and a half here. It's only minus 5 today. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thank you for having me, and, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the weather. Yeah, it's something special. Well, um, we, we got so much to talk about because you have such a unique and interesting background that we want to talk about your uh, your career and your path, and your path is taking 
you to so many cool spots. You think about what football uh, has been able to do for you in terms of going around. Now, some, I suppose in some cases, it's, hey, I got to see all kinds of the country. In other cases, you never really got to settle down in any one particular spot. I know you grew up in Pittsburgh, and that has a special place in your heart. But let's talk about uh, you being here right now. Um, how did uh, how did this all come about? I know you and PJ shared time in Tampa. You were the special teams coach there under Coach Shiano when, when PJ was there uh, as the wide receivers coach. But how, how did this all come about that here we are sitting and chatting with you as the new special teams coach in Minnesota? Yeah, first off, I'm, I'm grateful and thankful to, for being here and uh, extremely excited. Me and Coach Fleck uh, were together at, at Tampa Bay um, with uh, Coach Shiano. Uh, and so we've maintained a friendship since then. Um, as this, you were at Syracuse, um, this job came open. How did the, how, how quickly did the process go? And kind of take me through that, if you would. Um, um, yeah, I'm not real sure the timetable to explain it, but um, at once uh, the job became open, uh, uh, spoke with Coach about an interest and uh, said I'd definitely be interested. always thought this was a, a great uh, culture for uh, to be a part of, uh, have, have competed against Minnesota at both Illinois Bowling Green and, uh, and uh, Syracuse in the bowl game. So I uh, had a chance to, you know, compete against these guys. A uh, lot of respect and admiration for uh, what they do, and I thought it would be uh, uh, something I'd, I'd like to be a part of. When you got here, now you've been here for a little while, um, you know, about a week, week and a half, I suppose, as we're recording now. Right. Uh, what do you think of uh, the facilities and and uh, and that stuff? What was the impression you got when you walked around? Yeah, beautiful facilities, outstanding facilities, um, as good as any I've seen uh, across the country, you know. And so uh, excited about being a part of that. All right, so you have, um, I think if I looked right, you have seven NFL teams on your resume, right? Am I right there? Yes, sir. I think yeah. it's seven. And yeah. seven colleges and universities? Uh, maybe more than that. More than that, maybe? I don't count the total number. I'm yeah. just, just trying to keep going. You know, you've been around yeah. the block a time yeah, or two. Been around a little bit. What, what's, what's that like? Uh, as I said, in, in some cases, uh, you know, you, you're not, you, you don't really, as a special teams coach, I don't think that's that unique, right? Special teams guys kind of go from place to place, it seems. But you don't get to dig in, so to speak, necessarily. And the coaching profession is kind of a volatile profession anyway. But you got to think of all the different cool spots you've got to visit around the country. I say visit, live in and coach in and all the different people you've interacted with. Yeah, I, I see it as I've been fortunate to, to be at these places. Um, but more than anything, I've been fortunate enough about the relationships I've been able to develop you know, being at those places. And those are the things that stand out more to me than just the, the place. What um, do you have some favorite spots? I got to believe you're, you're a Pittsburgh guy. You went <laughs> to college out there. That stop with the Steelers where you won a Super Bowl over uh, over uh, Kurt Warner, right? Kurt Warner and the, and the Cardinals yeah. um, in that great game where Fitzgerald had what a lot of people thought might have been the game-winning touchdown. And then Big Ben marches the Steelers back down the field. Was it Santonio Holmes that made the big Santonio catch? Holmes, yes, Antonio yes, Holmes. Yeah. Um, that has to be that has to be the asterisk year for you, right? Yeah, that is the year that stands out the most for a lot of reasons. You know, um, one reason being that born and raised in Pittsburgh, um, my dad had season tickets. You know, so they've been attending those games forever. And for my family to be a part of that, mine and my my wife's family to be a part of that, they were actually at the Super Bowl, were on a field when the confetti came down. You know, uh, they brought the. Lombardi Trophy out with my family take a picture outside the locker room so uh, you talk about a lifetime experience for a guy that 
grew up there um, and uh, had an opportunity to coach at both Pitt and the Pittsburgh Steelers and win the Super Bowl. Um, that was one of the best experiences for me and my family to ever happen. Yeah, I would think so. And then you've got um, growing up in Pittsburgh, um, you're at an age that um, th- those the steel curtain, right? Chuck Knoll and yeah. Terry Bradshaw and Stallworth and Swan and Jack Ham and all those guys, right? I mean, that that did that did that help spark your interest in football? Yeah, I would yeah think? it did because I mean they were winning four Super Bowls yeah. in six years. <laughs> and then to be able to work with like guys like Joe Green, who was an idol, like um, that was an um, unbelievable experience. What, um, yeah, when you're walking through the hallways at that place and the Roonies who have been, right, the owners of that place forever, what, what was that like day to day? It's like uh, going to work at the Hall of Fame every day, you know, <laughs> in, in my mind. You know, you walk in and you see the six Lombardi trophies. Um, just this, to be a part of that standard um, was um, special. When Holmes makes the catch, what was your emotion on the sideline? Uh, as always, what's the next play? Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> PAT. You got to make sure off. your guy makes a point, yeah, right? So just you know, just the next play. <laughs> yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and you know, special teams coordinators. Um, you know, it's a unique situation because you you have the offensive coordinator, you have the defensive coordinator, and obviously an important part they're calling plays. Special teams is that now as it. I think as we've we've learned and see it, it becomes really a third of the game, um, but often overlooked until you give up a punt return or until somebody you know gets a field goal block. So um, your role is trying to make sure everything goes, and you have to keep a handle on, I suppose, almost everybody on the roster to find out who can help you and who can't and where guys fit. Kind of take me through what it's like day to day to be a special teams coordinator wherever you are, NFL or college. Well, what's unique about being a special teams coach is that just like the head coach, you get to interact with everybody on the football team. And that's one of the things that I really like about it. But, um, again, just kind of the mantra is you never know what play is going to change the game. So uh, that one play involved in a small amount of uh, special teams plays, anywhere from 25 to 30 plays a game, could change the game. You know, And you never know what play that is. So we talk, always constantly talk about a one-play series. Yeah. You know, And out of that, we're always trying to – affect field position, you know, as our, as our, our main purpose. Uh, if philosophically, um, what is the, um, you know, in terms of, I mean, there's so many, many things philosophically. I suppose the average fan is looking like, how hard could it be to be a special teams coordinator? Tell your kicker to go make a kick and kick the ball far and go tackle a guy. What else is there? I know it's much more intricate than that. How thick might a playbook be for a special teams punt coverage and different things and scouting and film work? How, how you know, in terms of philosophy, how, how much time do you devote and how much time in practice does uh, the devotion have to be to make sure you guys are skilled that way? Yeah, we, we try to keep it keep it uh, simple um, that uh, to a situation where um, we can play as fast and as hard than, harder than our opponent does. With um, different coverages and different, uh, uh, let's talk coverage first, if we can, in terms of specifics. And I know you probably don't want to give away any trade secrets here, but um, for, from that standpoint, there has become, uh, at the NFL level especially, and at the college level we're seeing it, you've got a kicker who can kick it out of the end zone, it seems, anytime he wants to. What's, the philo- uh, what's your philosophy? Is it better just to boot it and say, hey, if the offense can drive 75 yards on us and score, we'll tip our cap? Or is it better to kick it up high, hang it, 
and try to pit them inside the 25, or does it depend on situation, or what's your philosophy? Well, uh, first thing we talk about in coverage is um, we control the coverage. You know what I mean? So we, um, you know, put a great deal of emphasis on the coverage because that's what we can control. And then uh, uh, the touchbacks uh, with our kicker are something he's really good at that we'll take advantage of. But again, a lot of it has to depend on who the returner is. Sure. Uh, and, you know, conditions play into that also. And then I, I suppose if, like you say, the returner, if the returner leads the country in kick return yards, it might be an easy decision to, we're going to kick this thing out the backside. And if a team maybe has struggled at times with fielding kicks or what have you, maybe it's a situation where you will try to uh, pin them deep, right? Again, all that is, you know, field position. Yeah. You know, what's the best thing to do? What's the best thing to execute based on field position? And then on the punt side, of things uh every team's got a different look a different philosophy there's i suppose a general philosophy and then you know if you're uh, you know directional kickings become big trying to you know kip it to a sideline or away from a particular guy um some teams say we're just going to punt it as far as we can we got the punter that can do it and hope we cover it other people will say boy we do that we're susceptible to a return so how does how, how do you visualize punt return coverage again um Punt is the fastest way to flip field position, so there'll be a great emphasis in our in our punt team. Um, but we'll do whatever our punter does best based on, again, returner and, and conditions. Um, Australia has uh, had this influx of punters, and you have one who I think by the time the season starts, he'll be 30, uh, Mark Crawford, one of the great characters on the team. We love the kid. Um, after every practice, um, he'll come over and give us a fist bump. Uh, we, we don't get to come to every practice, but the practices we come to in terms of the radio crew, he'll he'll be over and chatting, and um, we get a kick out of him. But um, he, the, the Australian-style punter gives you um, some versatility, right? They can run and punt. They can punt from a set position. They can end over in, pooch it. They can do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they grew up playing footy, you know what I mean? So um, there's a lot of things that they can do and uh, affect the, the way they punt the football, where they punt the football, you know, and affect their protection and the coverage. So we'll utilize everything that, that Mark's capable of. Um, and then, you, obviously, part of the deal is blocking scheme, too. You don't want anything blocked. How much of that is scouting? You mean scouting as far as yeah. game plan and what we're going to do? Yeah, in terms of trying not to get gonna, a punt blocked, you know, in terms of what the opponent might do. We're not going to gonna try. We're going to make sure we don't get yeah, any yeah. blocked. But you know, we work on protection every time we do punt protection. So it all starts with, you know, alignments and uh, assignments. But, again, the emphasis on protection and identifying, you know, who their best rushers are and, and where they're going to try to attack. Uh, in the rush and then on the flip side you want to get some blocks right if you're uh, and some return so to speak on uh, we'll talk punt return now as well um, you had I think for Syracuse last year right two block punts that I think uh, I read last year we blocked one punt against one, North Carolina yeah yep. and so what's a, what's a key there is that uh, scheme uh, scouting you spot uh, something all, all that is involved you know it's all you know attacking identifying um you know, our opponents and, and the type of protection that they use. And uh, so, again, uh, the, just the progression is the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, you know, any, any holes in their protection and then, you know, uh, evaluating their personnel on, you know, who's the – who's the, the guy to attack. One of the things that has fascinated me over the years is watching um, coaches 
particularly special teams coaches, train guys to block punts without running into the punter, where there's the drive-by or the one hand or dive at a certain angle. And there's drills, right, that, that works. What, yes. what um, uh, I, I suppose some guys have a knack for it, right, certain guys, and then other guys you can teach. Um, how important is that part of it? Yeah, uh, it's extremely important because um, a block kick, you know, dramatically affects the game and the outcome of the game. But missing the opportunity to block a kick can result in a first down, which is like a turnover. So we spend a lot of time on just the, the details of actually, you know, taking the ball off the punter's foot and blocking the kick. And then on the kick return side of things, um, I know you, you know, obviously it's uh, not a huge secret. You'd love to have a guy who can run fast back there and be elusive and set up blocks. Um, is there any general philosophy in terms of trying to set up those tunnels to get long returns? Yeah, well, getting a returner that can make the first guy miss. Yeah, you know, right. So, you know, not having to block everybody, you know, so finding that, that guy, which we have a lot of candidates here at Minnesota. So uh, extremely excited about working with those guys. All right, let me uh, talk for a minute about one of our great sponsors here. You've heard me talk about them a lot. Affinity Plus, it's your local community credit union, proudly serving Minnesota since 1930. If you're a current Gopher student or a proud Gopher alum, then you're eligible to join this financial that wants to build a meaningful bank in relationship and put you first. You can meet with a local employee at any of their branches statewide, including one near campus here, right off University in Minneapolis. To learn more or find other ways to connect, go to affinityplus.org slash gogophers. That's affinityplus.org slash gogophers. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA, a proud sponsor of the Go Gopher podcast and a proud supporter of Golden Gopher Athletics. So as you've been through this uh, a few times, where you come into a place new. So I assume you'll get some info from the head coach and position coaches from guys on the roster currently. Um, but is there also kind of a fresh slate where you want to see these guys and form your own opinion before you get too much of uh, other people's opinions on who can do what? Yeah, that's that's part of what we're doing right now is, uh, you know, um, visiting with the, the coaches that have been here uh, regarding the personnel, but also uh, – studying what they've done in, in games and practices to learn the guys and then you know slowly uh, getting to meet everybody you know seeing a guy on tape and then meeting them in person you know really helps understand like who they are and what they're doing so just trying to get to know the guys and the guys getting to know me is uh, part of where we're at in the process right now and you get you know a hundred guys on a college roster the NFL is more 50-ish 60 somewhere in there so there's more guys to know more pool to draw from potentially to put in there is there are there certain personality traits you look for for a guy to be a good special teamer effort you know just don't really care personality as much as effort you are what you put on tape so seeing how what their their effort and you know how they compete and finish um is regardless that's what we're looking for you have the reigning Big Ten kicker of the year, and Dragon Kesich, uh, another one of our favorite guys. He's been, in fact, on this podcast, as has Crawford in the past, because they're they're big personalities. Um, you know, Kesich last year was special teamer of the week in the Big Ten a couple of times, had the four field goals to help win Floyd of Rosedale, the game winner against Nebraska, uh, kicking off. He was a star uh, booting in, into the end zone for a bunch of touchbacks. Um, how much do you watch film from him, um, and what do you do as a coach now when you inherit a guy who is the maybe the best kicker in, in the Big Ten and one of the best in the country? Yeah, both of those guys have demonstrated ability. So we try to learn them, learn them, study who they are, and uh, you know how can I help you? 
You know what I mean? So tell me what you want to work on, what you want to get better at, you know, identify their strengths and uh, ask them, you know, how can I help you, you know, with some of the experiences that uh, I've been able to share with guys at the highest level and then um, presenting things that finding out if they're actually comfortable with some of those things and would like develop a trust in a relationship where coach, uh, yeah, that, I, I appreciate that. That That's something that I'd like to add to my routine or something like coach, I'm not comfortable. That doesn't work for me. All right, let's check that off the box and let's go to the next one. So whatever we can do to enhance uh, what they do to get them to the highest level. For you, as you've been through this as a special teams coach, certainly you have schematic things and philosophical things in terms of everything. Are you also a special teams coach that will offer technique things to punters and kickers that you've picked up over the years? I know some of those guys have personal kicking or punting coaches as well, but I'm sure you've picked up a few things where you can say, hey, here, uh, maybe we could try technique-wise uh, a tweak here or there. Yeah, exactly. You know, just, uh, again, having the experience of working with some of those guys, um, being able to share some of the things that are little things, details uh, in the smallest things, start from the ground up in footwork, the way you catch and handle, mold the ball and um, approach the ball and make contact and finish through contact. Just any of those things that maybe just one little thing that uh, enhances you or what you do to, to um, you know, hit your best ball. Um, that's kind of like what I was talking about, some of the things that, that we'll work through, and you let me know if that's something that helps you or if that's something that you're – that's not you, and let's all right, let's see if there's anything else. So not only uh, asking them, but also having the examples of guys doing that in practice or just um, individual sessions on tape to be able to show it to them besides uh, seeing it in the game. When, um, and then from that standpoint, we're in kind of this tweener time where I think guys mostly are doing weight room work. So is what you're doing as an evaluation mostly film study now and then just kind of trying to get some sort of a personal relationship? And then is it spring ball where you can really kind of make some true evaluations of what guys can offer the special teams? Yeah, that's teams? where it starts is, you know, uh, watching the game tape. And then what's nice about being here is like seeing – some of the things that they've done in practice as far as uh, their preparation, which uh, they've done a great job of, and just trying to uh, see how they um, have executed and um, based on um, how they've uh, prepared and uh, just, again, trying to find a way to enhance that. How hard is it to, uh, to try to get to know 100 guys? It's time, right? Yeah. It's just gonna. It's just gonna take days to do. That's all it is. It's just, you know, um, just being here and being around those guys. It'll just get better every day. And you, you have the personality that you're, you're, you're gonna go meet guys and talk to them. And I enjoy. You enjoy people, right? I enjoy people and enjoy, <laughs> you know, interacting with these guys. And uh, I mean, that's kind of one of the things about coaching is, you know, meeting these guys and finding ways to motivate or inspire them to, to be the best they can be. Um, let's chat a little about your background. We have uh, a little bit early, we talked about the, the Pittsburgh thing and how cool that was for you being from that area. Um, let's go all the way back. We mentioned the Steel Curtain defense. You mentioned Mean Joe Green and some of those guys. Um, from that point, so you, you, you get the football bug, you play college football in Pennsylvania. Um, kind of take us through the path of what you decided that, okay, football's where I want to make a career. Yeah, um, 
I grew up in Pittsburgh, been playing football since I was eight years old. Uh, had an opportunity to play uh, Indiana PA Division II school. Great experience right there. And again, never really thought about what I was going to do. It just flowed that way. One of my coaches uh, asked me, I said, I love the coach. Um, introduced me to, I had a, a help from him uh, getting a GA job at Wake Forest. Uh, moved to Arizona State there as a graduate assistant, volunteer coach. Got hired full-time at Kent State. Uh, from there, ended up at Bowling Green for nine years uh, and had an opportunity to coach at the University of Pittsburgh where I met a guy, uh, Frank Gann Sr., who helped, oh. me get, helped me get to the National Football League. With the he Jackson might be the Tigers. greatest special teams coach in history, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, it was fortunate I heard him speak and actually uh, developed a relationship where he actually uh, spoke at our wedding. You know what I mean? And I spoke at his memorial when he passed away, so I had a uh, relationship with Coach Gans uh, is a lifetime uh, relationship. Um, and then from there, uh, continued through the NFL and then uh, uh, had an opportunity uh, to get back into coaching uh, after the Houston Texans with Lovey Smith. Um, and so I've been back in, in college since then. Yeah, and um, you were at the Texans, and then Lovey hired you at Illinois. You didn't cross paths, though, with Lovey and in St. Louis. He had left already. Me and Coach Smith crossed paths at Arizona State. At Arizona State yeah. back in the day, yeah. yeah. Uh, in the galaxy far, far away, long time ago. It, but that's how it works sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's about people and connections. And you and I crossed paths in St. Louis, which I, I know when you're a coach, you, you you get all of us media guys, you, you know, it's hard to remember everything. But um, I was covering the Rams when you were there for those two years. Uh, Lovey had just... I think left Mike Martz hired you, and then Mike got uh, had some health issues, and that was a that was a fun time in St. Louis. Now they end up losing the team, which we don't need to go down that road because I think it's a shame that that city doesn't have an NFL team right now. Um, but uh, it, it is what it is, as uh, Joe Vitt once said, right? Um, a, a guy that took over for March there, a little inside joke there is the first guy I've ever heard use that. And now it's it's a it's a pretty common uh, phrase in the English language. Um, anyway, uh, we crossed paths in St. Louis. Lovey was there as a D coordinator, then got hired by the Bears, I think in 04, I want to say, 03 or 04. Um, and then you came in after that. I remember, uh, I don't know if it was your immediate predecessor, but Bobby April, who is another one of those guys that has been through the league, he was there prior. Did you take his spot? I'm trying to remember. I can't uh, remember now. I, I think after that, after Coach April was, uh, was it Coach uh, Mike, um, there was... There was one in between? Yes, sir. Yeah, I can't remember who it was either. But remember, Bobby April was a big personality. I remember having you on the show a couple of times down there. And there's something about special teams coaches and uh, that, that that's kind of fun. In your background, when you first started, you mentioned you met Frank Gans. Was it, did you set out to say, I want to coach special teams? Or did the path just kind of lead you to that? And then it's something you picked up on and became the expert in. Yeah, as a young coach, um, every time a guy would, would leave, um, I would ask for their can I do their their job? Um, meaning like the extra one, like you know, you had a position coach and then we all had uh, different administrative duties, um, recruiting coordinators, special teams coordinators. So uh, when I got that opportunity uh, at Bowling Green, I asked to be the special teams coordinator and then it kind of grew from there. And that was one of the reasons I got hired at Pitt is because I coached special teams and had never coached tight ends. And it was a tight end special teams job. Special teams job got me there. 
and then it kind of grew from there. Yeah, and you have coached positions over the years, right? Yes, yep, defensively you, and offensively. Yeah, and you'll be solely special teams here? Yes, sir. And then any other, I mean, you'll be recruiting and... Well, and you say that solely special teams, but, yeah. you know... Yeah, like it's I just a part-time this, job or right, something, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, you know, the position I coach is a specialist. Yeah. You know, kicker, punter, snapper. Yeah. You know. And then recruiting-wise, now that, you, you know, you've been, you were you mentioned Bowling Green and Pitt, and then back to Bowling Green and Syracuse and now Minnesota. Um What's the? There's got to be a special knack as you recruit to go out and you watch a high school kicker kick, a punter punt, an Australian film guy. Maybe you go to Australia now and visit that kicking camp. I that, have been to Australia. I, I bet, right? Yeah. I mean, you almost have to be if now. You, if you're going to bring a guy into the locker room, you got to be able to look him in the eye, face to face, and then you want to be aware of like where he came from. So, um, thought it was necessary that if we were going to recruit a guy, one of those guys that do a fantastic job is to find out like where they come from and who they are, you know. So uh, I went over there and interacted with those guys over there, and it helped develop the relationship. Yeah, um, and then let's talk about high school kickers. Uh, is there a special knack to, you know, every now and then you see, oh, that kid's kicked two fifty yarders this year. He should be a Division One kicker. Well, maybe, maybe not. What do you look for when you see a high school kicker? And you look and, for live leg. Yeah, you know, you look for the ball to jump off his foot. And is there a sound? Like, the thing I've noticed with your gun is when the ball – I noticed it even before he was the everyday kicker uh, when he was working his way as just a kickoff guy. Man, when the ball hits his foot – we go back to a St. Louis vernacular. We, uh, we always used to joke we're standing around Bush Stadium and batting practice is going on and we're over by the dugout. And then all of a sudden you hear that crack of the bat and you're like, oh, that's got to be Albert. Yeah, that's Pujols for sure. You can just hear it. Yep. Dragon had that, has that. I mean, man, when you're in the indoor and he – it's a thud. Like, it is a yeah, – You can see it. You can hear it. You can hear it and see it, and it comes off his foot. And um, it, I suppose at the high school level, you're looking for a similar thing, the kid that, that the ball will pop. Yeah, absolutely. You, you look for the ball to jump off his foot. You know, you look for the, the drive, the elevation, the accuracy. You know what I mean? But also, you know, you want to – you know, you hear when a guy makes good contact. Yeah. You know what I mean? The guy strikes the ball. How important are these kicking camps and clinics and schools and all this stuff, too, now that, that they, not just are in Australia, but they're here now in America? Yeah, they vary uh, as a kid progresses through his, his development from technique uh, all the way to exposure, you know. And it's, uh, it's easy access for special teams coaches to identify guys. You can go watch develop. 20 guys maybe at once, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I like that guy, that guy the best, and see where it goes from there or something yeah, like you, that. You, you get to identify some of those guys. And then a lot of that stuff is off of a tripod. It may not be a total operation. Right. And then you uh, continue to, um, to identify those guys as they work through the operation in a game situation. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose, I don't know what the situation here will be, and it's become – varied over college football do you offer a high school kicker a scholarship or not and do you say hey come walk on if you get going um, and maybe you and coach Fleck haven't even had those conversations yet but what is your what do you think is the best philosophy or does it vary yeah, we have kid to kid had those discussions you know uh, yet here for, for University of Minnesota but again it's in general it's based on you know uh, need availability um, and then uh, the young man's, you know, ability. You mentioned Frank Gans, uh, and yeah, I remember, you know, for all those years he uh, had great special teams. Uh, ended up getting a head coaching job right at Kansas City for a short time. Um, what about his philosophy connected with you, and how much of what you do now is a reflection of what you learned from him? 
yeah, it's the basis for you know a lot of what I do, but also the the passion and the the presence that I learned from him also. You mentioned the head coach and the special teams coach, strength and conditioning coach. Those are the guys that really, uh, amongst the staff, work with all the players, right? I mean, if you're the offensive coordinator, you'll know the defensive players might see him in the hallway, may have a good relation, but it's not going to be like the relationship you might have with the quarterback if you're the offensive coordinator. Um, And uh, there has been some... uh, success over the years with special teams coordinators then because of that think of john harbaugh at the at the ravens right he was a special teams coach only right a special teams coach and now you know he could be on the verge of getting back to the super bowl again he's got a great team um what about special teams coaches do you think is it just that that you 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 have a full view of the team that that potentially can be um yeah that guy'd make a good head coach like frank gans or whoever else Again, I, I, it goes back to being able to interact with everybody on a team, but I think it also has to do with the organization of everybody on the team being involved in executing the special teams. PJ has a pretty unique, fast-paced practices. Will that fit right? I think if I know you like I think I do, that will fit into kind of what you want to do. Uh, quick, authoritative, here's how we go, um, and let's get, this, let's get these drills going. That's one of the attractive things about this position. What do you remember from PJ when you were in Tampa, when he was the receivers coach and you were coordinating special teams? High energy, detailed passion. Yeah. And um, when this job came open and you guys were able to, to connect, um, what was his vision? What did he tell you where this program's headed from right this moment? Elite, you know, being at the highest level every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's been the message from day one. Um, you've been through the Big Ten, and now it's an expanding and ever-changing Big Ten uh, as they add the four West Coast teams, and uh, it's up to up to eighteen now. Uh, what's your impression of the Big Ten through your time with uh, with the Fighting Illini? Being against the best in the country, and looking forward to competing against the best in the country. Yeah, it's it is a it is a it is a good league, and it's hard to win on the road, that's for sure. Um, do you have over the course of your time? Maybe I shouldn't. This isn't probably fair, but do you have some special um, favorite players that you've coached? Whether they're kickers or gunners or punters or guys that just stood out to you that you might use as models to tell the current golfers play like this guy. Yeah, I wouldn't want to miss a guy. Yeah, um, but that's the danger, right? There's there's the danger of missing a guy. Um, but um, that was one of the things I, as a young coach in, in getting to the National Football League, is like, don't be afraid to listen to those guys. They do it for a living. And I learned a lot from being around those guys and just studying and watching um, what they do and how they do it every day and asking those guys. They were nice enough and good enough to uh, be good about asking all the questions and being able to take that information to share it with these young men now. Meeting-wise, uh, you can meet, right, with guys. You can't technically, I suppose, run a full special teams practice yet by rule. I guess I don't know the rules. That's my assumption. But how much can you show them either through meetings or diagrams or, hey, here's a packet of info uh, so that they're ready to roll when spring ball hits and certainly ready when the fall hits? Yeah, that'll be different as we proceed to spring football, as we go through the phases, the amount of time that you can actually interact with those and then dividing that time up among all three phases. 
Yeah. Well, very good. Uh, welcome. Uh, the, the weather, as you know, will get will get warmer. Um, uh, we're, we're glad to have you. It's going to be fun to watch Golden Gopher special teams uh, progress here in the spring and into the fall. And uh, let's have you back on the podcast sometime down the road. That would be great. I very much appreciate you having me and look forward to being a part of this enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Our thanks to new Gopher Special Teams coach Bob Ligashevsky. He's looking forward to spring ball and the 2024 season. The Go Gopher podcast episode 104 is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com. We're also partnered with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, a locally member-owned full-service financial invested in you. You can learn more at affinityplus.org Go Gophers. Cub sponsors the Go Gopher podcast. Cub is the official grocer of the Golden Gophers. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts. And right now, please be sure to click the Go Gopher podcast subscribe button. It's absolutely free to subscribe and free to listen at any time. And please share the link to the podcast with others so they can subscribe and listen as well. We'll talk again next week.